You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine, only on the BetQL Network. The band is back together ahead of UFC Vegas 63. Sean Levine in Kansas City, Brendan Tobin down in Miami, myself, Jake Noaker in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. All three of us are here to bring you the best bets for this weekend's card. Main event, Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. Boys, how you doing? Isn't it, uh, isn't it technically Calvin effing Cater, BT, when we had him on the show? Uh, potty mouth old Calvin Cater, but I like him. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, maybe the beginning and the end of Tapped Out there because <laughs> he, uh, he swore a lot, but I also delight in that stuff. So uh, I would always welcome him back as long as we record him. Yeah, so I reached out to him for an interview this week. He didn't answer me. I was actually kind of grateful because I didn't want to deal with that. But don't worry, Tapped Out will be back in December. The word on the street is. Let's start with Potty Mouth, Calvin Cater, going up against Arnold Allen. Uh, I, I just checked the odds on BetMGM. Calvin Cater is a freaking plus 100 right now, underdog against uh, Arnold Allen, minus 120. I've been saying for like a week, this for me is a dog or pass situation. Whoever's the underdog are going to have to bet. And it just happens to be Cater, who I liked anyways. I think he's got the better boxing, a little bit more crisp, technical with it, if you will. Arnold Allen's got hands. He's very awkward and lanky in his style, clinch control and wrestling. But I just think Cater's a step above him. I'm going to eat that underdog ticket. BT, do you agree? Yeah, I do. Just because, first of all, I thought that he, I thought that he beat Emmett the last time around. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I thought everybody thought, you know, they were going to write him off against Giga. So I think that Calvin Cater, like this is his playpen when people seem to overlook him. That's when he's at his best. I think Arnold Allen stepping onto a big stage here, you know, having an event around him is always uh, a questionable thing. Meanwhile, Calvin Cater's kind of been like almost your non-champions, people's champion event. He's almost like a, kind of like the new Donald Cerrone in that regard. Yeah. So. I, I like him. I just think he's too experienced. He's too good. He's been in there with some of the best. I think it's a big step up for Arnold Allen, and uh, especially if you're getting Cater as a dog. Yeah, Sean. I don't like. I don't like agreeing with both of you guys, but I do more <laughs> the way that Jake kind of broke down the skill sets of the fighters than BT was talking about. Kind of the experience level. I mean, I'm looking at Arnold Allen, and yeah, the dude has been on an unbelievable winning streak, and I understand he's easy to promote and all those different things, but. We're talking about wins against guys like Dan Hooker and Gilbert Melendez. I mean, and this is just in the last few years. So compared to Calvin Cater, we know that that guy, not only has he fought at the top of events, he's had the five-round fights, but on top of that, 
he's fought the who's who. I mean, you look at his resume, and man, he's taken on all the dogs, albeit he hasn't beat them all, but he's gotten into the octagon with them. So if you want to talk about experience, and if you've heard him say levels to this game, we're about to find out what level Arnold Allen's at. I think we know, guys, where Calvin Cater is. It's a very interesting clash of styles coming up on Saturday night. The one thing I'd say with Calvin that I hope to see more is like he very is in love with his boxing almost to the point where like he's so skilled that like he almost loves to live behind his jab. And I just feel like if he could just let himself go a little bit more, if he he sees those openings, I think that would be almost like the next level into taking him to another level. If he can almost unleash that killer, because we know he could take a beating. We know that he could bust up somebody's face, but I, I think just executing you know, the finishing job in these fights, you know, is probably what's separating him from being a really good contender to a champion. Yeah. And I mean, when we've seen Arnold get hit in the UFC, specifically his last fight against Dan Hooker, he hits back. It's not like he's going to huddle up, wait for his moment and then go back to technical striking. I think if he puts it on Cater or if Cater puts it on him, I think there's going to be an extreme firefight. And I, I think, I think Cater wins that we saw Allen get clipped in his last fight against Hooker, albeit that he won. I just, I just like the odds here on Cater. I think he's better all around. I think if a firefight does happen, then Boston elbows are a problem. Um, you know, I, I forgot to start the show with this. You're talking about levels to this game. Let's, 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 let's go back a week real quick. Talk UFC 280 this past weekend. Levels to this game. I was wrong about Charles Oliveira. Islam Makachev, prove me wrong. There are levels to this game. New champion. Sean, what do you uh, what do you think of 280 as a card? Well, what's crazy is I remember when the, the fight kind of looked like it was going to happen. We're talking about what BT probably three or four months ago, and there's kind of some, some some rumblings of it. And then I remember saying on the show, if these guys end up getting in the octagon, Charles is going to be the underdog, and that ended up coming to fruition. I was shocked that he was a two to one underdog. That didn't make any sense. So I'll admit. I was the sucker that on fight night, I was like, all right, even though I said that I think that Islam's the better fighter and I thought that Islam would be the favorite coming into it. And I don't really see a direct method. Charles can obviously win anyway. He's proven that in his last handful of fights. But, you know, the whole question with Islam, we were just talking about, you know, the levels and the competition. He had never fought a top 10 fighter. And all of a sudden he's getting in there with Charles Oliveira, who is getting Khabib comparisons all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm very surprised that he was as dominant as he was. I'll say that, right? Like, it seems like Charles Oliveira, in every single one of the fights that he's been in that we can think of, at some point, and it's usually really early on, I don't know if he's a slow starter, but he either gets put down or it's like, oh, my gosh, he's in trouble. And then all of a sudden, he's not. And when he's not, it's over. You know, it's almost like when Charles Oliveira takes control of a fight, he's proven that it's over. He didn't beat T, not at one point in that fight, when I said Charles Oliveira had any sort of control, that's what surprised me the most. Is it was completely dominant by Islam, which makes me think, if he's that good against Charles Oliveira, dude, who beats that guy? Yeah, I think that's the thing that was uh, impressive to see with Islam um, more than anything. And I think, honestly, what my big overreaction was to it is I think you could probably say with the raw skills, like I could see arguments for why people think he can now be better than Khabib because – his wrestling is so good, uh, but his striking also seems a lot better than Khabib's did. Yeah. And so I, I think maybe if you would just say, who's the pure better grappler, okay, you would go Khabib. But if you were to just outweigh like a, almost like a two-way player in the NBA, like Islam's got it all. And because people are going to be so scared of him, 
um, we saw he was able to unleash that. And Charles, who you think about the guys that he did outstrike and take beatings from, you know, was, you know, had so many things to think about that he was taken out easily by uh, Islam. And yeah, like, I think we're always in this game. That's always an interesting battle that we play in the sport is because you never do it until we see you do it, or we never think you can do it until we see you do it. And I think that the arguments against Islam were fat were fair and sound because we hadn't seen him in there with the top five guy, even though we all acknowledge the skill set. but to see him, you know, go through Oliver so easily after it can, it seem like Oliver was just pulling wins against everybody um, and knowing how good that division is. Uh, yeah, man, I don't know who's going to take out this guy. Cause it doesn't seem like there's stylistically, I, I like, you know, him versus Vulcan, you know, uh, I mean, uh, versus uh, Alexander Volkov. Volkanovsky. I don't know. Volkanovsky, excuse me. Um, I was going to get it right eventually. Uh, him <laughs> against him, like, Demir, whoever. Yeah, whatever. The Australian whatever. dude. He, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I know Volkanovsky gets disrespected in his own way, too. You know, especially with people really not being convinced he beat Max till he had to beat him three times. But yeah. I just, I think that's a tough day at the office for him. No, I agree. And Islam shut me up. He, he proved me wrong and fully earned my respect still i love charlie olives but yeah all respect to islam um rest of the card you know aljo beat tj not much of a shocker especially when you hear he dislocated his shoulder three thousand times what's up yeah, how, do you, how do you guys feel about this because i feel like as a gambling show because manny pacquiao got in trouble for this i don't know if you guys remember the yeah. class action lawsuit that he faced but like how do you feel the idea like do you look at that as you know, a warrior mentality from TJ because he's fighting through something and he obviously doesn't want to lose the payday. He's already got a lot of scrutiny under this. Or like, do you feel screwed in a way as a fan because you know he's damaged goods going in there and just doesn't want to lose the money? Uh, but he has no shot. Like, you have no shot of beating Aldermaine Sterling with one arm. It's it's so shady. Um, I don't have a problem with it because I had my money on Aldermaine Sterling. So as soon as I saw TJ's shoulder pop, I was like, I, that's probably a direct <laughs> path to my bank account, so whatever. But the fact that right after the fight, he takes the microphone and admits to the injury, it just feels slimy. It's like I couldn't yeah. have gotten – it almost – something has to change there. And the problem is more – you know, they say don't hate the player, hate the game. The problem is the game. Like, how can you hate the player? How can you hate T.J. Gillishaw for going out there, having the warrior mentality, wanting to get paid, thinking that he could win – just with one arm trying to get his belt back, like giving up that opportunity. That's what would be crazy if TJ didn't do that. So I don't blame him, but from a gambler's perspective, not having that information, think about how strict other sports are and yeah. you can get fined for it, especially the NFL where, and this is a much more direct path to victory. Like in the NFL, if you told me that, you know, let's just say, for example, if Travis Kelsey was out of a game. Okay. Well, now I know that Mahomes isn't going to have as many weapons, but he still have a good chance to beat anybody out there. If you told me that one of the fighters only had one of his arms, that completely changes everything. Like, if I would have known that, his chances of going into that fight and winning were, like, 10%. So, something has to change with that. I don't know what it is. but And also, if I'm Dana, I'm pissed that TJ grabbed the microphone right after and reveal that's like that's inside that's it feels like insider trading yeah team, doesn't it and i mean dana was pissed at the press conference afterwards he, he, he was pissed uh he didn't mention that specifically but i have a feeling that's what irked him because yeah i mean i'm again it's tj dillashaw all respect to tj as a warrior sure that mentality's there but like both you said yeah something's got to change there that's that's not right for the bookies well, think, or the fans and i think the thing that's interesting about it is like they spend all these time drug testing these guys right 
Now, I think that the, the slippery slope we talk about here is they don't, you know, the UFC has a very good financial pyramid here to keep their margins uh, the way that they are. But yeah. in reality, like I think as fans and events, like, okay, why can't these guys have mid-camp check-ins? Why can't these guys be seen by doctors that is under the UFC's billing? Because if something were to happen, now these guys really only have, I believe the only way that they have to, they're covered is if they get injured in a fight. Yep. Um, and so you think about something like this, an event as big as Abu Dhabi, all the money that they're throwing at it. You're telling me nobody wanted to check in on TJ Dillashaw and say, hey, his shoulder doesn't work. Maybe we should go and fight and have him fight Jan or San Diego yeah. or whoever. It's the deepest division there is. Um, at least you got a fair fight. And I mean, it's not like it was a secret, you know, Cubs, Cub Swanson tweeted about it the day after was like, yeah, it's true. I was in camp. It's like, come on, somebody, but whatever, besides the point, Aljo took it still, there's still a bantamweight champ, even if it's uh three fights in a row of some questionable, questionable circumstances. But uh, another fight that surprised me on the card, obviously was Sugar Sean O'Malley beating Piotr Jan. I mean, every single media member, all, all of us scored the fight for, Piotr Jan. I had a 30-20-70 Jan. I rewatched that. I changed it to 29-28 Jan. I don't even know if it was a robbery because it was such a close, exciting fight, and I gained so much respect for Sean. But, whoo, Sean, what do you think of your boy, Sean? You think he took that, or you, you, don't, you don't like scorecards? Uh, same thing. I mean, same thing I said two minutes ago. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Like, how can anybody be mad at Sean opposed to the judges? I'm with you guys. I'm with the entire Anybody that watched that fight that knows anything about the sport knows that Sean O'Malley did not win. I think Sean O'Malley himself was surprised that he heard yeah. his name called. That being said, we also know that there are certain guys that the promotion likes to push. And I think that it's a little naive to pretend like that didn't have anything to do with it. And I'm not suggesting that Dana told the judges to do anything or anything like that, but the judges are humans also. So I, I don't know exactly what happened. It's kind of hard to explain because I'm with you. I rewatched it. It was either 30-27 yawn or 29-28 yawn. It certainly was not Sean O'Malley by split the decision. No. Again, I got paid on that. I ended up having Sean by decision. And I got to tell you guys, it's kind of because of the way it ultimately worked out. I thought to myself, if it's close at all, I feel like Sean's going to get the nod the for whatever reason. And he did. So... Again, I'm happy about it, but let's not pretend like Piotr Jan didn't get completely screwed the way that thing worked out. Yeah. It's one totally. of these things. Yeah, it's one of these things where it's like I get people being mad, but I think honestly the better thing for the sport happened because Sean O'Malley getting a big time win and also kind of being controversial is good for it. Like him tweeting out today, like yeah. I did watch back the fight and I won. You know, that's Sugar good. Show. That's gonna get pe that's gonna get people pissed off and that's gonna get people interested in him. Uh, and props to him because, you know, he nobody thought that he was ready for this fight. He was a big dog in this fight. I would say it's kind of – he kind of Nate diaz it, right? Like he didn't win the fight technically on the scorecards, but he did have the moment of the fight, and he did have yeah. the more damaging shot. Like if you asked, you know, old-school mentality, like, hey, these two guys just fought over 50 minutes, but who looks the better coming out of it? I mean, I thought, you know, Sean did whoop up on Piotr really, really bad in that third round. So I, I, I get it, but I wasn't upset as a fan because I think yeah. in a way, this is the better thing for the sport. I want to see Sean O'Malley in big time fights. And, you know, we got to remember, like he has openly admitted that he's basically coasted on the quality of opponent because of his pay. Um, and so this was a big step up and he's learning too. So 
it's one of those things where like, man, if this was a five round fight, maybe he does continue to get the better of it. And I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't as outraged. I agree with you guys. I had a 29, 28 for, for Piotr, but I am, I'm happy with it being Sean getting the nod because greedily I want him as, as a fan and, and, you know, commentator of the sport. Like I want us to be able to talk about Sean O'Malley fighting Aljo for the belt. And he was good. I mean, Sean was good. Yeah. Like I was impressed with Sean. I remember before Bruce read the scorecards, I remember saying, okay, Sean lost. So he has to kind of work his way back up a little bit, a couple of more fights before a title now, but I don't think his stock dropped at all. I don't think anybody looks at him like a scrub. If anything, the odds makers were probably like, oh damn, we shouldn't have made Sean that big of an underdog. He's legit. Everything that you said is true, BT. I mean, everybody wants to see Sean fight for the title. Now it's crazy because I remember talking just like, it was like a couple of months ago with you guys. And we were comparing Sean's chances of fighting for a title with Patty's chances of fighting for a yeah. title. And it felt like they were both pretty damn far away. Like something had to work out absolutely perfect. And then the whole calling out Piotr Jan thing, him accepting the fight, like Jan, let's call it what it is. He didn't have a ton to gain in that fight besides the shut up, I guess the, the hype train that was Sean O'Malley. But Personally, I mean, he's already, you know, you've, you've already held the belt. You're the number one contender. And now you're fighting a guy or at least higher rank. And now you're fighting a guy in Sean O'Malley who's trying to take everything that you have and essentially did. I mean, yeah, I mean, like how many times do you see a guy jump up 10 spots in the rank? Crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> That's and, now Sean, now Sean, and now they've got their chance to let him fight for the belt. I mean, Dana said beforehand, and we know that what Dana says doesn't always come to fruition after the fights, but he said that whoever won that fight, Jan O'Malley, was going to fight the mm -hmm. winner of Aljo Sterling. So in theory, there shouldn't be too much conversation. If Dana's word is true, it should be Aljamain Sterling versus Sean O'Malley for the belt. And then I want to ask you guys, what do the odds look like? in that fight because everybody's going to the window including us three wanting to bet sean o'malley so it's like what are we talking about it's not going to be a pick em. sean's an underdog again right yeah i would think sean comes in underdog i, I for whatever reason aljo minus 235 is the number that's in my head so that's what i'm going with sean plus 210 plus 250 something like that i think the only guy you know, you look at that top five right now, who's got to be laughing at all this has got to be Cheeto because like, it is yeah. funny that everybody's here coronating Sean O'Malley for beating Jan, but I mean, he beat Sean O'Malley and he's been head kicking everybody to hell that he steps in that cage with. So I would say he's probably the only guy that has the, I mean, Marab does, but I mean, they're friends, they're not going to fight. So I guess we can right. throw that out right now. Right. Um, but Cheeto's got to be thinking like I was the, you know, I was the sugar show slayer immediately. And now everybody's giving him this ride for a controversial win. Meanwhile, I'm like obliterating everybody I get in the cage with. So I would say he's in the top five right now. He's got to be the guy who can raise his hand. But I'm 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 in agreement that I think that it's probably going to end up being Sugar fighting for the title because that's what's good for business. Well, maybe both things can happen, right? Like let's say Sugar fights, Aljo wins, and then all of a sudden you've got Cheeto Vera who's still sitting there as a number one contender, and then that rematch becomes a huge fight because the first time around it's crazy we all knew who sean was and cheeto vera was just kind of this journeyman right like he'd been in the promotion for a while he won some fights he had lost some fights and then when he won that one it kind of felt like okay you know sean didn't have the best night and then all cheeto vera has done since then like you said it's just beat the hell out of mm -hmm. literally has beat up every single person he's fought since then so he definitely deserves a shot at the title. It's just curious to see how the UFC is going to end up doing it, where are we going to see Aljo fight O'Malley now? Or maybe they'll just let Cheeto fight O'Malley next, and the winner of that one 
fights Aljamain Sterling. So they definitely have some options. I think the the move is Sean versus Cheeto fight for the title. Maybe Henry Cejudo comes back in the meantime and plays with Aljo. I don't know. The, pro- the problem with that, though, Jake, the problem with that, though, is we all know the promotion really wants Sean to have the belt. And now's True. the time when you don't have to rationalize it. I mean, you said ahead of time, whoever wins this, and he won. So now if – I mean, Sean is one fight away from winning the belt, which is the best thing to comp- – this is Conor McGregor part two, guys. Like, that's Say the less, best man. possible thing that could happen to the UFC. So putting him against Cheetah right now is a little bit foolish because, frankly, I think Cheetah will win that fight again. Yeah. And if he I, did, then you don't get O'Malley for the belt right away. So, like, they, they need to have Sean fight for the belt right now. They'd, they'd be crazy not to. I, I, I may not – I may think the fight is Cheeto versus Sean. That might be the fight to make. But I'm a sugar show boy. Uh, I'm, I'm, for, I'm for Sean getting a title shot all day. I would love if he went in there and beat up all, uh, uh, Aljo. But we'll see, man. Bantamweight division is stacked, and uh, it's not going anywhere. I do want to move on and talk about UFC Vegas 63. We're going to take a step down in competition and excitement now because it's not the best card, and we already talked about the main event. Two more fights I want to mention. Co-main event. No, it's not even the co-main event. I think it's a prelim fight, but it's my co-main event. Andre Arlovsky coming back, UFC legend, opening as a plus 200 underdog. BT's already shaking his head, going up against Alima as a minus 250. Not negatively. I just can't believe he's still fighting. He's 43 years old, 80 years combined age between these two. Alima's 37. I'm still going with Arlovsky, the underdog, two to one dog. You kidding me? Six six and one in his last seven fights as a 43-year-old man. Still showing the striking prowess, showing the chin, showing the clinch control and the grappling. I, I have no idea why Dilema is such a big favorite, but Arlovsky all day. Yeah, I agree. Like this, like it's it feels like he's going to be 53 and still be winning decisions. They'll be on some four fight win streak in the heavyweight division because I don't know. He just seems what he does. Like he'll yep. lose one eventually, you know, probably to like a top guy, and then like he'll go back and they'll start putting him as a gatekeeper again, and he'll go on another run. I can't believe Andre Olaski's still in the UFC, let alone still <laughs> winning in the UFC. Like you mentioned, he's won, what do you say, six of seven? You look at his losses, too. Like, they're to dudes. He lost to Jarzinho Rosenstrike. He lost to my guy Tom Aspinall. Nothing to be shamed about in those losses. And if he wins coming up on Saturday night, that's five in a row. And then what happens? So I'm with you guys. Clean sweep. Like, I like Arlowski, especially with the underdog money. And he's proven that he can now beat you like in his old age in a bunch of different ways. I love this fight. Yeah, and it's not like Delima's a 24-year-old, 27-year-old. You know, he's 37 no, he's years old. old. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, I think Arlowski and Cater both. I mean, as long as they stay underdogs, you hit them. And I think those lines close. So maybe hit them now. There's no way Calvin Cater is a plus 100 come fight night. But yeah, maybe, maybe he will be because Arnold Allen's no joke. Um, moving on down the line here. Uh, maybe this is the co-main event. I don't know how, how this card's set up, but uh, Dustin Jacoby, this is the last fight I want to talk about for this card, um, and then we'll talk some more nonsense next, but Dustin Jacoby opening as a minus 175 favorite over Khalil Roundtree is a plus 145 underdog. This might be an underdog situation. I feel like maybe at least one of you two likes. I do not. I'm all over the favorite Dustin Jacoby here. Huge, huge fighter, big size. Um, his second stint in the UFC, 6-0-1. His past seven fights, very, very impressive resume and record right there. And he's looked great doing it too. He's showing great durability, great chin. His striking has been super crisp, great distance control and pace. And I mean, his wrestling and cage control on top of that has been top notch. You go to the other side, Khalil Roundtree, as much as I love him and as great as a fighter as he is, he really, especially as of late, has been relying on like that one big punch, 
that one big kick to the leg, the oblique, that one big like flurry. He's been very slow. He hasn't been very active until he gets active and gets the finish. I don't think Dustin Jacoby is a fighter. You can go in there with that style against Sean Levine. Do you agree? I do agree. And it's more, do you want to see the highlight or do you want to get paid? Like I think that if, if, if Jacoby wins, Jacoby's got a lot of different ways to win this fight. And we talk about Khalil Roundtree, and it's not just of recent when you want to talk about that one-hitter quitter, that highlight. He's been doing that for a long time now. So can Roundtree pull that off on Saturday night? Sure. I'd be surprised. I'm putting my money on Jacoby to end up winning. And then, look, this one also, if you made me bet inside the distance, and, you know, that's a tricky one. Um, yeah. I think I think Jacoby's got a lot of different ways to finish him. I think I'm taking Jacoby by finish on Saturday night. Ooh. Uh, I like Roundtree. I'm a Roundtree fan. And I think one of the things, you know, you mentioned Jacoby's hype, like immediately I did go to, you know, Roundtree just starting to work on that lower body and just starting to destroy it. And, you know, he's got some of those wicked kicks, man, you know, training in Thailand and all that stuff. He's, he's an absolute beast with that. So I'll take some value on the vet. I think he can get it done. I don't hate the underdog ticket on Roundtree here. I'm not going to be betting a lot on uh, Jacoby. I think this is an exciting fight regardless. And, I mean, if Roundtree wins, I see him winning by a vicious knockout of some sort. So I'm always down to watch that as a fan. Um, But, BT, I got to ask you, because the last thing I wanted to talk about with our time together today is a circus fight that is happening this weekend, maybe, because apparently one of the fighters got knocked out twice in training. But your boy, your best friend, Jake Paul, is taking on the legend Anderson Silva. Why is this happening? What's going to happen in this fight if it happens? Um, Why is this happening? I mean, it's happening because Jake Paul needs an interesting fight, and he is smartly finally going away from trying to fight boxers that nobody cares about, like Asim Rockman's son and Tommy Fury and all that stuff. So he's going back, I think, to his wheelhouse of fighting MMA legends. The only thing that's strange about this one, and I think that he's kind of misstepping on, is... You know, once again, it's kind of a, you know, it's a friendly week. They're having dance-offs. It's very nice (laughs) between everybody. And, you know, I I don't know about this whole Jake Paul fighting thing anymore, guys. Like, I'm just, I'll watch. Obviously, I'm going to tune in and tune into the circus tent. But, like, I think if I didn't do this, I wouldn't. Just because I don't know how much the genuine public cares about Jake Paul getting in there with, uh, you know, a guy of Anderson Silva and them kind of being nice to each other. Like, yeah. It just doesn't seem like I don't feel like it's had the same buzz this week. Maybe it will, you know, come later in the week when there's weigh-ins and, and shoves and all that type of stuff. But, you know, I will say um, as far as guys he's taken on, it's the most credible because Anderson Silva, you know, has boxed. He has a professional boxing record. He wanted to box for Roy Jones for the longest time. I did see him knock out Tito Ortiz at the Evander Holyfield fight ringside of that. That was really sad, but it was enjoyable to see Tito Ortiz plummet into the ring post. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I would take Anderson Silva as the dog in this because I feel like if this is a legit fight, which a lot of people don't think that it is, uh, people think that Anderson's going to take a dive. But let's just say it was on the level like he's got the skill set that I think could be Jake Paul. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As you were talking, I was thinking about like the path of Jake Paul's boxing career. It has been a weird one where like you're fighting like, you know, former slam dunk champion NBA players. And then you're fighting MMA fighters who had absolutely no boxing skills. And then you're fighting a guy in Tyron Woodley who hasn't won a round since like the Nixon administration. And then you're talking about not fighting Hasim Rahman, but his son. And then not, you're not fighting, like you're fighting the other Fury from Love Island. Like it's, it's been a weird run. This feels, I guess, I guess the most legit, like only because we've seen Anderson Silva in the last calendar year in boxing matches and his hands look pretty legit, especially compared to all these other guys that he's fought against. But also how is Anderson Silva? Jake Paul's a young buck. Like we're talking about one guy. Who's 47. His, so mid twenties versus late forties. And I know there's something to that dad strength. BT can tell you all about that, but also there's something to hitting your peak and then starting to decline. Like let's not pretend like this is Anderson Silva that was fighting Chael Sonnen, you know, seven or eight years ago where yeah. he, you know, his, his, his quick twitch muscles were, you know, what they were in his 20s and 30s. So name value, I guess it, it makes some sense. Uh, it may, but I think Jake Paul knocks him out, man. I don't, I don't see this any different from any of these other guys. Like, I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a dance-off for the first few rounds, kind of like we saw with Tyrone Woodley the second time around until all of a sudden he puts his lights out. So I don't know if that's Jake Paul showmanship or – I don't know if that's, you know, trying to make the fight last as long as it possibly can or if it just took Jake Paul that long to figure him out. But I don't see Anderson Silva, this this version of Anderson Silva, that different from all the other guys that have got knocked out by Jake Paul. I just think yeah. that the, 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 the train after this is like, okay, we get it. You're taking on Washington MMA guys. And I'm not these guys. I don't want to see Jake Paul necessarily beat a boxer because I don't care about Jake Paul uh being a good boxer but i think that he's got to go in some kind of a direction of it's either got to be against somebody who's going to give him a little bit of adversity and there's going to be a, a hostile build-up like a nate diaz or something like that like there's got to be some conflict in the lead up to it isn't it pretty freaking obvious who this guy needs to fight next if he wins like i know you I, you and i talked about this for a minute and i believe your words to me were shut up that's foolish bt he needs to fight mike tyson like Mike Tyson, listen, listen, hear, 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 hear me out. Hear me out real quick. Mike Tyson is a guy who, is he older or younger than Anderson Silva? He's older. Older. He's like 54. Yeah. Dang, is he 54? <laughs> is he 54? Yeah, he's, he's up old there. as hell. Like, what are you talking about? Okay, what are the odds? What are the odds in that fight if it goes down full training for both of them? I would guess that I would guess Jake Paul is probably the favorite too. Okay. So you're saying I would guess and Jake's over there going, uh, I don't know. Doesn't that inherently make it a really good fight? Like it's Mike not even like Tyson was getting wheeled through an airport in Miami four weeks ago. What are we talking <laughs> about? The guy can barely stay awake. You don't think Mike Tyson would have a shot against Jake Paul? Are you nuts? 
just don't want like what what is like he did his it. thing he did the one send-off against roy jones we we're like cool man it was right and it legitimately that was the word jake paul blew up on that card because it yeah, did yeah, business it card, not because yeah. of jake paul because of mike tyson like he's one of the like you know take of his resume what you want but he's one of the most hollowed names in the sport no he doesn't have to fight jake paul <laughs> no 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 he doesn't have to fight him no he doesn't i'm not saying he has to fight him i'm saying from somebody like me a fan's perspective what would be the next step up in competition? I mean, I don't think that he's ready to jump all of a sudden no. up against top five actual boxers, guys that do that for a living. I think he either has to go up against uh, an MMA fighter like we've seen, whereas in the case of Ben Askren and Tyron Woodley, retired MMA fighters, or he can go up against a boxer that's not really the dude in like a guy like a Tommy Fury or a Hasi Rockman Jr. I don't know. It just seems like if you're going to take on an old guy, and you're going to take on an old retired guy that used to be a pretty damn good boxer in his day. Who wouldn't want to see it? That's the one that everybody would be interested in. I, I don't know if I want to see that or not. And I don't want to have to find would out. You watch? To that. Would of you watch? Of course I would watch, Sean. Of course I would watch. Isn't okay? that the whole point, though? But like, I wouldn't pay for it. See it. But I'm watching but this you weekend. Watch? I'm watching this pay weekend, too, though. Like, our, our standard for would you watch is a lot lower than everybody else's. It's Don't very you think low. that everybody though? I think it has to pass like the the girlfriend wife threshold. Like I don't think which, you're wrong. I think it would mainstream. Sure. I think yes, it's it's obviously going to be Stephen A is going to be talking about it. Yes, it'll obviously get a lot of buzz. So, My question though is like, should you have Mike Tyson be getting in the ring with a 25 year old, even if he has greater boxing skill? No, probably not. It's like having you know, eventually it has its limit, and I just think that you know, eventually it y'all, can, are and, y'all are scared. Y'all, y'all are scared. Y'all are scared. You guys sound like two guys that are afraid to see no, Jake that, Paul, the Disney YouTube kid, knock out the great absolute, Mike Tyson. You've got his picture on your wall. 54. 56. Okay. And let me explain. 56. Let me okay. explain. Because my my, uh, my Zoom time is running out because I'm cheap and I don't, I don't pay for the full thing. I would be the only 25-year-old in the world I would want to see Mike Tyson fight because he would knock me out. And I don't want to see any other 25-year-old knock out any more of my childhood heroes because we're going to see it happen this weekend. I cast Jake Paul's at plus 100 underdog. That's disgusting. Wow. Disgusting. Gonna knock Jake Paul's going to knock him out. It's going to be you. sad. And I hope he doesn't get Tyson next. That would be that would be the circus main event, so to speak. But boys, thank you both very much for joining me. It was great to see you and uh, talk some fights. We'll do it again soon. And, you know, let's go underdog. Calvin Cater.